Welcome to Staying Healthy Naturally, a show that focuses on healthy ways to help you achieve optimal wellness. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Krakoff. I have a degree in naturopathic medicine and I'm a registered pharmacist at Johnson Compounding and Wellness in Waltham, Mass. Today, I'm very happy to have Jeff Citro joining us. Um, Jeff is a licensed mental health counselor interested in helping people discover and make the most of human potential. His practice is called Transformational Brain Coaching, where he provides neurofeedback to address a host of cognitive and behavioral issues associated with anxiety, depression, attentional deficits, PTSD, and other issues impacting healthy living. He has clinical, residential, and academic experience as an educator, a psychotherapist, and a spiritual leader. With empathy and good humor and clinical competence, Jeff partners with clients and their other healthcare providers to effectively achieve and treat goals and provide transformational experiences. Jeff is honored to participate in Homecoming for Veterans, which provides neurofeedback to veterans or active duty service members at no cost. I'm so glad you came in today, and Thank this is going to be a great learning experience for me, me also. Um, I guess to start, what is neurofeedback? Neurofeedback is a non-medical, non-invasive brain exercise that allows the brain to improve its functioning. Most of what the brain does is talk to itself about itself. It has its internal housekeeping duties that it does. And neurofeedback exercises that function to improve it. Okay, so I have someone that most of my life has aggravated me. And every time I see the caller ID, Mm. before I even answer the phone, I can feel my blood pressure go up, my shoulders get hunched, I get real tight. And even if I answer the phone and it winds up being the best conversation I've ever had with this person, I'm already aggravated or stressed before I even answer the phone. What's that all about? Well, you're kind of like Pavlov's dog in that respect. I've been trained. Conditioned and trained because of your history with this person. And so the experience of that person that caused some stress in your life might have been pretty severe ways you needed to protect yourself. So every time you come in contact with this person, your nervous system is kind of on high alert again because that's what the nervous system does. It's supposed to protect you. And sometimes we get stuck in that hypervigilant place most um, significantly uh, with folks with PTSD, who their hypervigilance is set on on high alert all the time. Okay, and so, if I understand correctly, neurofeedback can help, uh, I don't wanna say train the brain, but help show me that I don't have to go into fight or flight when I see that number. Well, quite exactly train the brain. Okay. To allow the brain to do its functioning appropriately based on what's happening now, not, not past. what happened in the past. Okay, so jumping ahead, and then I'll reel myself back in. So this could be very helpful for the people who are chronically anxious or have had a traumatic experience in the past. Yes. Whether they're having 
vivid flashbacks or not, just if it's affecting their life because of something that's happened in the past. Absolutely. Not only um, their life, but their relationships, their physiology, uh, and then the other symptoms that come along with the anxiety, you know, whether it's migraines, or panic attacks, or intestinal problems. So it can be... The, well, of course, it's the whole body yeah, everything's connected, connected to, physical. to everything, right? Oh, okay, so how does it work? How does it work? Like a dancer, a ballet dancer looking in the mirror, or you're weightlifting, you know, and you're doing the work, you're moving the barbell, per se, per se okay. and you look in the mirror and you realize, oh, wait a minute, my barbell's not straight. Let me fix that because that's better for me. The mirror is the feedback to you. you. You think you're doing it, you have the feed forward, your intentions of moving. The feedback is the mirror, and then you adjust accordingly for your benefit. Neurofeedback holds a mirror up to the brain. The brain, in a sense, gets to witness its own activity in real time, and it self-corrects. Wow. Because a brain, Metaphorically, we say a brain likes to be relaxed, likes to be flexible, and likes to be responsive. And, and we pretty much trained it not to be that. Because of our experiences in the past, what we've learned, um, and other, other various things that can impact Okay, that. so the old saying that everything is hardwired in the brain... Or what uh, we've proved what that, that... fires together wires together. Right, so that very true the, but the brain is elastic it can relearn absolutely and wiring. even neurogenesis you can still create new neurons uh, at any age okay so when someone has we'll get into what a session's like in a minute yeah but if when someone has some sessions how do you know what's working what should, what do people see or feel we'll know usually early on uh, will take a sort of baseline assessment of what they're feeling in the moment, whether they feel physically stressed, like muscle tension, or uh, how alert they are. Are they feeling kind of groggy, sedated, or are they really agitated, hard to focus? And as the session proceeds, we'll check in periodically, and, and then they'll say, you know some Jeff, I'm feeling a little less alert, which is in, info to me, the clinician, that I can change some things with the neurofeedback. Um, they might feel a little more agitated or they might feel, wow, I'm very relaxed. So all that is information to me. So we usually get results early on. Okay. So I guess the next question is, um, what is a session like? Is it, is it an active participating session or is it I come in I sit down you do your thing and I walk out feeling better it's a little bit of both it's a little bit of okay both. Um, so walk me through I'm having my first session with you after we would have done our assessment and right. evaluation of our first right. assessment uh, what we do is um, we hook electrodes up with temporarily paste uh, sensors to your scalp to read your brain waves Okay. And we place them in certain areas that we areas of the brain we want to train. Uh, nothing is injected in your head. There's no electrical impulse. You're not getting zapped. Good. That type of thing. Uh, we're, they're basically putting little microphones on your scalp. So it's a monitor. They read correct. They read your brain waves, and your brain waves 
are fed into a computer and impact an audiovisual display. You might watch a, a movie on a TV screen. And when your brain waves are moving towards a, an area that's beneficial, where you're feeling alert and relaxed, the screen might get large and the sound will increase. And when your brain waves are moving in an area that aren't, is not beneficial, the screen might shrink and get cloudy. And so your brain soon realizes that, oh, I'm in control of what's going on in the monitor. So I'm watching the monitor, you're watching not the mon just you. Correct. You're, you're watching, the monitor is the feedback to you. So it, again, not knowing, it sounds like you're teaching me how to be in control of what my, how my brain is responding. But it's an unconscious process. Like in a, in a traditional, typical biofeedback session, you, the client, are recruited in the process where you're trying to consciously, say, lower your body temperature or, or, or some other physiological response. But in neurofeedback, your brain is doing the work. So I'm just helping the brain by looking at the monitor. You're just engaging with the feedback. You're just looking at the monitor. And because your, your brain is always working. It's sensing its environment visually, and you're sensing the temperature, you're, sen you're hearing, all that stuff is data to your brain. Is that when that data is impacted by your brain waves, right? Yeah. That's how your brain sees itself in the mirror. So while I'm watching the monitor, if I'm, the picture's getting fuzzier. Your brain knows the difference. That it shouldn't be. Or, or that. it knows that it's in control of it. Your okay. brain doesn't. Your brain doesn't care whether the screen gets big or not. You know, your mind cares, but your brain is just an organ. Your brain is just processing so the data. So it's a mind and brain connection. Um, no, I'm not explaining okay. this well. <laughs> no, no, that that's okay. I'm trying to. I'm I'm a, a hands-on. If the yeah, car yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. run, I check I'll to make sure the battery's charged and there's gas in the tank. Right. And things like that. So I'm sitting there mm -hmm. looking at the monitor. Looking at a screen. Looking at a screen. And that's basically what I do. That's my part basically, of my job while yeah, I'm there is just to, to be looking. Watch the screen. And or, I don't, am I thinking about, nope. oh, it's getting fuzzy? Nope. Okay, so thank you for uh, clearing that up because <laughs> I had that wrong. So it's my brain, the tissue, and my mind, the thought process in my head that are busy working while I'm having a session, but I'm not consciously trying to change anything. Correct. Okay. Because there's that's actually, what I did. That part of you, there's nothing you can consciously do to impact the video display. Okay. You know, because um, so I'm thinking more of biofeedback and neurofeedback. Correct. Correct. Okay. Neurofeedback is quite literally feedback on neuronal activity. It's what your neuronal processes okay. are concerned about. So how long is a session usually? Uh, typically uh, about an hour. By the time we check in, we'll do the neurofeedback session and then we'll uh, debrief. And okay. then, yeah. And it sounds like generally speaking, most people walk out, I would think, feeling different in a better way or in a positive way that something is shifting. Yes, we normally see results early on in terms of things that respond well uh, right away are things like sleep 
or migraines or headaches we see impact in the first and one or two sessions. And that's something the patient can track. Absolutely. And, and quantify. Absolutely. And we do that as part of our training. You know, we, okay. We, so now my next question, just like muscle memory, mm -hmm. it's not a one session deal. You have to train the brain mm -hmm. because it's probably going to want to slide back into what it has been doing for years. Well, it's a learning exercise. Yeah. It's, it, it's not a procedure where we try to do something to your brain and it either takes or it doesn't take. It's a, a learning exercise. So just like learning to play an instrument. I tie your shoes. There you go. After a, a time, it normally takes about 20 or so sessions for the brain to consolidate what it's learned, how it's learned to function more effectively. Okay. And once it's consolidated that, it tends to hang on to it. Well, that makes because sense. Because it's self-serving, because it keeps it the helps. brain relaxed. It keeps the brain flexible. It allows it to shift state from high alert to relaxed to focus to daydreaming. Uh, and the brain likes to be that in that be flexible and so it, it perpetuates itself now if there are uh, other insults to the brain brain trauma that comes on or if there's uh, additional stress uh, there might have to be some additional sessions tuning up tuning okay. up or if there's ongoing if there's a degenerative kind of condition like Parkinson's or dementia okay. uh, if you're in a constantly toxic environment there may need to be some And that maintenance. makes sense because they're saying as we mature or get older, we should be exercising our brain more and more. And so this makes sense. Um, how often do you have, what's the optimal for how often are the sessions? Daily, weekly, monthly? It depends on the case. I've done everything from uh, once a week for someone who's not very uh, acute in their symptoms to intensive sessions for twice, three times a day okay. if someone is really struggling. Uh, so it can vary depending on the need. Clinically, uh, average, at least twice a week to start okay. for the first eight or 10 sessions and then we can move down to one session a week. Okay, next question. A lot of your clients probably are very anxious and very stressed. Most and are between home life or work situations or school, mm -hmm. they feel a little out of control because we're not in control of our lives or our schedule a lot of times. So if, let's say, I'm meeting with you twice a week mm -hmm. and something comes up and I have to travel this week so I can't see you for seven days or eight days till next week, does that set me back to the starting point? Not necessarily, and that varies from person to person okay. as well on what okay. the condition is and what their level of functioning is. Okay, all right. And what happens if um, take the, the client is on some supplements or mm -hmm. they're on some, they're, they have PTSD, they're on some pharmaceuticals. Yes. Should, do they need to stop them? Will the pharmaceuticals interfere with what you're doing and cause it not to be effective? Well, the inverse is true. As the brain learns to self-regulate more effectively, medical efficacy increases. So, so they're almost overdosed. At overdose. some point, they, they may very well be. A lot of my clients have to lower, especially antihypertensives. Uh, and that, that's, that that's a wonderful side effect. if you it's, can, Because most side effects from drugs are dose-related. So even if they're not 
getting off the medicine if they're at much lower doses, the quality of life goes up because side effects are down. Absolutely. And even wow. in terms of, of ADHD and medications that stimulants to help with focus, as the brain is better regulated, you might not need as high of a dose. So they might find they're getting hyper. And so what I do is I monitor with their prescriber and the prescriber will be in and, and will uh, contact each other periodically so they can monitor the, the patient and adjust if necessary. You know? okay. But the patient should continue taking everything that they're prescribed and just keep let me be let me know and let their prescriber okay. know if they're feeling anything different. So this is an unusual setting in the mainstream side where the patient and the practitioners are all talking to each other instead of the patient going to th two different practitioners and it's up to them to coordinate everything. Mm -hmm. So you like working as a team with their prescribers and their... I think it's the your, best way. I, I Not agree. Not only their prescriber, but quite often their therapist as well because uh, I cut my teeth in the traditional talk therapy world and I love it and I approach neurofeedback with that sensitivity but neurofeedback is not therapy but it's therapeutic so as my clients become less anxious they need some coaching and some mentoring that well who are you now that you're not anxious okay and so uh, sometimes they get anxious because they're not anxious yeah. so they can bring that to their therapist and then process that out and this is very very good I'm happy personally to hear that because there's never one thing that's the final answer and no. with our lives the way they are having a safe environment to talk to someone the talk therapy I think is very helpful it would probably be helpful for everybody I think it's crucial to some degree and then having the pharmaceutical end tied into the talk and the neurofeedback mm -hmm. what a great model and their whole treatment team, if they're working, working with a dietitian, together. if they're working with a coach for strength. I have some uh, clients that are just peak performers that are not necessarily anxious or depressed. They just want to be a better golfer the best or a game. better executive. And, and so it's good to have the team approach. And this is the way I remember way, way back in the 70s when I was in school, they were talking about the team, the doctor, the patient, the therapist, the pharmacist. Nice wasn't it? Yeah, and that was back in the 70s. <laughs> no, and we're trying to make it happen. We're just starting to, and it seems a lot more practitioners are more open to let me do what what's in my toolbox, you do what's in your toolbox, and let's put all of our work I've together. I've been finding that. I've been finding yeah. that's very that, appreciative of that approach. That is so, so encouraging. Mm -hmm. So the sessions we talked about. Um, the timing, they're generally about an hour long. And we go in 20 session blocks. Okay. And initially, we'll do some, the evaluation, we'll do a computerized test of attention, so we get an objective number on the patient's uh, uh, capacity to shift focus, to sustain attention, and we have a pretty elaborate testing system for that. That gives us an objective measurement. Then we'll come up with a subjective list of 10, 12 symptoms that they're really struggling with now, whether it's poor sleep, emotional eating, uh, anxiety in public, and we get specific that we want to track what they're really struggling with. And then week to week, we'll go over that list. You know, you started at a, an 8 out of 10. Well, now it's down to a 6 out of 10. Well, that's pretty good. So they can actually 
track. track. Because we all have good days and bad days. We do. And so but over a period of time, we can say, well, our neurofeedback protocol is working, quote-unquote, it's doing what you want, uh, or it's not, and we need to change something or add okay. something or reach out to another caregiver, right? And so in every 20 sessions, we'll reevaluate. We'll do the computerized test again, and we'll evaluate on the subjective list, and we'll see where we've come from. Have we decreased your symptoms enough to where you're fine? And we'll see you, you know, whenever I'm here for you, or should we continue? Okay. But we usually normally go in 20 session blocks. Okay. So now getting into, I have a much better thank you, a much better understanding of what it is. What is it? I don't, I don't know if I want to use the word treat. Mm. What can neurofeedback be helpful, helpful for? for? Is it the severe things like severe anxiety, PTSD, or could it just be, I want, I think I'm doing okay, but I'd like to check and fine tune things because you can always do better than you are. Mm -hmm. So yes. what what are you seeing or what are you clients? I'm glad um, you couched it that way because it, it, it doesn't treat anything per se because it's right. not like a medical procedure. But what can it help? Anything that's mediated by brain function, sensory integration. Uh, digestion, regulation of sleep, attentional issues, uh, emotional reactivity, mood regulation, and so those, uh, and many, many others, and those are normally pieces of a diagnosis. Right. Whether so you, that diagnosis be a personality disorder, an eating disorder, an anxiety disorder, or depression, you know, a lot of these similar symptoms exist. So if somebody isn't feeling well, mm -hmm. are dealing with everyday stressors well. Mm -hmm. Do you need a diagnosis to be able to have neurofeedback? Absolutely not. Or you can go by, I'm not feeling well. I can, I can, imp I can feel better. I, I'm not my optimal. You may be normal, quote unquote, yeah, but what's normal? Who, we don't want to be normal. I want you to be, be optimal. Better the best oh. you can be and so I have clients everywhere from severely uh, hampered either intellectual disabilities or um, schizophrenia or clients who have come in that were highly suicidal and needed a lot of care were very effective right away uh, to clients who are very high functioning very at ease they just want a little bit they want to be clearer they want to think more clearly. They want to be more sharp. They don't want to be as reactive, uh, which helps in a bunch of performance, whether you're golfing or you're an executive. You want to be able to assess. You want to be able to physically feel things more efficiently. Um, it's, it's been used, neurofeedback has been used uh, by uh, high-performing uh, artists, like opera singers. Uh, in the sports world, uh, I think it was a U.S. Cup, a World Cup uh, soccer team even used it to try to get an edge in performance. So it's gaining acceptance even in the high performance area. So it sounds like um, where, where we're going, what we're seeing a lot is, and it's younger and younger and younger people, anxiety is. Oh, you know, I could you see anxiety that. when you're getting ready to pick a college to go away to college, you're leaving home, you have to, you think you have to figure out what am I doing the rest of my life, but you really don't. But we're starting even to see, that. you know, even in the um, the preschool 
and nursery school and the elementary schools, high, high level anxiety. I think this, they're now saying most of the kids in high school, I forget what the percentage was, but it was 70 or 75 percent have it. anxiety. I believe it. You know, treatable anxiety. I know. So and maybe a third, as the statistics say, about a third of folks with anxiety actually go for treatment. So the, the so, majority are untreated and they're struggling. So this sounds like it could be, I don't want to say for everyone, but for almost everyone it could possibly be beneficial. But the kids um, with ADHD or mm -hmm. the adults who've had ADHD their whole life and mm -hmm. they didn't even know it and now with they're dealing with their kids they're realizing it. What about at the risk of sounding sexist and I'm, this isn't meant as a sexist comment, mm -hmm. but what about the women that are waking up at night, whether they just roll over to go to the bathroom, I hear this over and over again, my mind goes on and I'm thinking of 20 things. Mm -hmm. And thank God for women because that's why we're the species is alive because they juggle all these balls instead of being linear thinkers. Mm -hmm. But a lot of them, their mind starts racing yeah. and they don't get a good night's sleep. Could something? Could this be helpful? Well, s certainly yes. We don't know the necessarily cause, cause of why it. they're. I mean, they might have right. some significant things where they have to be thinking like that. You know. Right. Um, but what neurofeedback uh, can do to help regulate brain function regarding the regulation of your sleep cycle. Okay. When does the body know how to fall asleep? Uh, how does it maintain and how does it go through the cycles of sleep? Um, so that's all, actually your brain works harder metaphorically when you're asleep than when you're awake. Yeah. So there's a lot going on there that neurofeedback can help. Okay. I also hear from different people that as I'm falling asleep, you know, I put my head on the pillow when I'm out. Oh, you're very lucky. But, yeah, um, it's changing a little. But yeah, yeah. I hear from many, many people as I'm drifting off and I feel myself yes. relaxing and losing. Yes. All of a sudden, the brain says, Boom. "Hey, you're falling you asleep." Have a and then, the gogic jerk they call it. You're just drifting. and they wake right up. Yeah. So quite often, I, I, I see that a lot. Okay, so Especially that to all those people instances that's not uncommon it's not uncommon um, they're not the only one out there but they having didn't that. catch it like you catch a virus there's reasons that happens and quite often those reasons are a little uncomfortable to talk about sometimes yeah. you know well uh, they might not be they consciously not, aware they, of why absolutely right absolutely okay. right and so on one hand neurofeedback is sort of agnostic as to your diagnosis Neurofeedback really doesn't care, in a sense. It, all, it's, all it's doing is helping your brain do its housekeeping more effectively. Okay. And consequently, a lot of these symptoms kind of fall by the wayside. Because you're looking for, or helping under, underneath the why they have these symptoms. You're not going after the symptoms. Correct. We're just okay. helping the brain do what a healthy brain does. Okay, now you had mentioned about the soccer team and things like yeah. that. What about the the students or the professionals? Mm -hmm. Every time they have to give a presentation, mm. it once they start, they're fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the anticipatory the two hours beforehand. Yes. They're running to the bathroom. They're perspiring. They have to change their clothes, their shirt. Sure. Um, I don't know the material, even though they know it better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. Could this be helpful? Oh, absolutely. 
for that. Absolutely. Yeah, because we would have to talk uh, about you know, why, where does that anxiety come from? You know, what's causing that? What's the fear about? You know, what's going on in your brain that you're playing these scenarios for, that you're thinking the worst, and you're kind of, you're, you're sort of, anxiety thermostat is dialed up and it's high arousal and that's really what's going on right your arousal system is is elevated and so what neurofeedback can do is reset that thermostat so to speak and you might still be uncomfortable speaking in public but you don't have to be undone by it okay and then that'll help everything else everything the digestion the being able to relax that weekend you won't lose two or three days beforehand worrying about something. And on the other side, on the more softer side of that, it helps in your relationships, your marriage, you know, your stra- your your career, working with your employees. It just ripples. You're not through. on the edge of the cliff. You're yeah. further you're more, away, from and you're it. more present and able to relate well. Well, this is great. Now, you mentioned it a little bit before. We aren't. Most of us aren't born this way. Well, it's, it's hard to be born anxious, but it can happen. Right. But for most of us, these type of issues are, I don't want to say self-inflicted, but it's a learned behavior. Mm-hmm. And, or it's, it's, a, a, it's be, not, a survival it's behavior correct. by the brain. In so, terms of anxiety. And yeah. there's, it's, there's more than anxiety at play here. You right. Know, there is depression. There are... Um, brain trauma that can affect the brain's regulation that neurofeedback can help exposures to toxins chemicals things of that nature it does there I'm even starting to see more uh, clients who are, have no quote-unquote psychological problems no anxiety or anything but they have chronic pain and that's a neurological process that neurofeedback can address as well okay yeah, yeah. what about if someone Physically, there's a reason for the pain. Can this help them not eliminate the pain, but deal with the pain or the stress? Yeah, or because the there's, right, there's two pieces. There's that the, goes the actual it. pain and how and do I respond to the pain? How do I anticipate the pain? Okay. My emotional reaction to the pain. Okay, yeah. so so that can kind of normalize. Okay, so I think we've addressed somewhat how the brain gets dysregulated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's life. Life. And the environment. Yeah, nature and nurture and, and maintenance and experience. And okay, yeah. okay. Exposure and, to stress, trauma. And, un- and unfortunately, we seem, even though we know the road we're going down, some things aren't right on that road. We just keep barreling ahead down that road instead of trying to get ahead of it early on. So even if somebody is very dysregulated because of years of our trauma from way back that they've buried mm-hmm. with psychological, physical, whatever mm-hmm. it was. A lot of times neurofeedback can be helpful, not just around when the event occurred, but down the road. Absolutely, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's why I love working with high schoolers, college age folks, because if we can change their trajectory at that point right you know how much more positive could their life be if they could be less anxious more emotionally regulated more secure more alert more personable uh just the impact on what career you choose how much you stay in school how much stress you can endure and what you get out of life 
and what you bring to life. Yeah. So it's, it's so seeing folks early on uh, is a joy for me because I know that just sets them on a whole and what, positive. What better feeling for you than you've it's helped the, most the quality of their life work that I've done. Yeah, so another question from your clients: once a client is doing better mm -hmm. and their quality of life is up, mm -hmm. and a lot of things further and further out are doing better because when one thing does better it's every, it usually, a very complex sure, machine mm -hmm. then do you see that some of these clients then realize it might be a while and then all of a sudden they call you up Jeff I think I need a tune-up um, for some of them um, but for most it's usually been when they get to the point where they're functioning well they pretty much take care of themselves. So, yeah, wonderful, and, and it's fine. And that might be depending on their history and what's and, going on. What's going on? That might be twenty sessions. It might be you know seventy sessions. You know, but right. once they've taken care of what they are uh, come to me for, I it's, never see that. I work. I get the joy of working myself out of a job. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. And I was just going to ask you, um, age of people you work with. For me, because of my scope of practice, uh, I don't work with anyone younger than uh, maybe a senior in high school and older. Okay. Uh, neurofeedback has been done on three-year-old infants, you know, okay. on, on, on children, and so, uh, but that's outside of my scope of practice. Okay, so you are the teens and up. Yeah, 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 high teens and up. Yeah, okay, yeah. so um, the question I'm sure some people want to know is, does insurance cover it? In the state of Massachusetts, no. Of course, because we're so <laughs> progressive and liberal. Okay. It, it does not. All right. So I have, I have had uh, some clients who are here, you know, who have a lot of colleges, and so they're on their parents' insurance, and so I can be an out-of-network provider somehow. So that's case, case, case by case. By case. Okay. So now the, one of the, now that we understand what you do and understand how beneficial it is, how can people get in touch with you for more information? They can contact uh, me through my website, and citrofeedback.com. C-I-T-R-O. Okay. Feedback.com. Uh, they can call me directly. Can I give you a phone yes, number? Yes, please. Area, co area code 617-277-8555. Okay. And I'd be glad to consult with them at no charge and see if, explore if this is a good thing for them or their kids. Oh, that's great. So you do have a sort of meet and greet to see if it's a good I have fit. have a meet and greet, and, and I almost, I encourage that. And, okay. uh, and I do that at no charge. And then we discuss ways to pay for it. We discuss the value. We discuss expectations. And if the time is right, we'll do it. If not, we'll put it off to okay. another time. Well, that is great. Thank you so much for coming Guys, coming on. Um, I hope as time goes on, we can start maybe getting together again and going, we did a nice what is it, mm -hmm. but maybe getting a little deeper into different areas. Happy to, please use me okay. as a resource for that. Yeah, yeah. So thank you again. One more time, your phone number? 617-277-8555. Uh, Jeff, have a great day. Thank you, Gary.